1: one go enjoy the show hey guys and welcome to another episode of the jre review this week we are reviewing andrew huberman paul verzi tom segura good old tommy joined as always uh by my sidekick Toddley. how you doing bud
0: hola doing great good to be here mm-hmm. sounding nice these new headphones are wonderful
1: Oh, yeah, you like these? Yeah, thanks, buddy. Yeah. Well, we need to be able to hear how annoying we both sound to each other, like, but louder. That's what I felt. It's going to help us.
0: Helps me not interrupt, which is always a good thing. I need to wear headphones around the rest of the world. (laughs) Time will tell. (laughs) (laughs) Time
1: will tell if you don't interrupt. We'll see. It is hard to not speak over each other with podcasting, though. I guess we just don't notice how much we do it in real life. Like in regular conversations, it's kind of accepted. It's not as annoying. But then when somebody listens, it's, uh, yeah, bad. We apologize if we do that. All right, Andrew Huberman. What a smart guy. I love listening to this guy. Um, I'm glad he has a podcast because it, it it's like the amount of knowledge he has, he... You know, I feel like some people can go on a podcast like Rogan's one time and it's like, this is all the type of specialty I have. There you go. And it's like, oh, now we know like what they're into. Not that they would go into everything, but like enough of the stuff. With Huberman, it just goes forever. This guy never runs out of stuff to talk about when it comes to health and life and blah, blah, blah.
0: I mean, he's just one of those guys that after you listen to on Rogan, you want to go hear more, like you just said. Like, I, I went and checked out his podcast. Mm. He's freaking awesome. Yeah, he's so good. So good.
1: I lo- uh, okay, so let's start with the... They, they were talking about Shane Gillis and Aerie and the drinking challenge, which was hilarious. But then, you know, Cuban puts a bit of science into this. He's like, okay, this is maybe why this happens. And he said 8% of people... Have this particular what was it a gene, and then they yeah. can, they somehow can just handle alcohol so much better. Whether they don't get hangovers or
0: um, I don't know what it is. Well, but, it was just they can they can drink more for a prolonged period without seeming really drunk, right? Like right. you could have what he drank like eighteen Bud Lights in a matter of like an hour. Yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> you know. Yeah, well, within that like three hour stretch,
1: that's so many. Oh, I was
0: eighteen within the three hours. I felt like he was drinking them even heavier than that. But regardless, we we all have a friend or friends that we've known it back in college or whatever that could do that. Dude, that's still six an hour. That's a Bud
1: Light every ten minutes for three hours.
0: Yeah, and he didn't seem that drunk, did he? Unbelievable. Did he even go pee but he, once? Didn't he puke, though? Somebody puked.
1: No, that was Harry. Okay. Yeah, because he was <laughs> bet $5,000 that he could beat Shane, and good luck to that. So, yeah, Shane probably has that uh, gene for sure. I mean, fair play to him. Crushed it.
0: Well, was there something about the gene, too, where you don't throw up? Because I'm that guy. I, I'll black out, but I, I will not throw up ever. Hmm. Maybe your body should. I, I, think I feel it, like I should purge. Be it, well, if it's that poison
1: to where you're blacking out, maybe you want it to throw up. <laughs> yeah, It's been, a while. It's been yeah, a while. I don't know. My, my uncle, Uncle Mark, he doesn't get hangovers. Never has. I don't really get them either. I don't know because I don't know what other people feel like. I feel very tired. But I don't get that headache. People often talk about getting a bad headache. I don't get that. And
0: I would I, drink too much if I didn't get hung but over.
1: Exactly. That, it's like you know, a gift and a curse, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it just can encourage you so much that if you know you don't feel terrible the next day, you can drink a lot. So that's a problem.
0: It wasn't He was talking about the um, also having a gene when he was younger. Huberman was saying that he had a gene when he was younger, where he had like hair on his Adams apple. And he was like, his voice was loud. Oh, that's right. Or deep. It was like deeper when he was eight years old or something. He had to grow into his voice. Right. I think that was maybe like a 3% thing. He had a lot of facts. The guy just knows so much. I mean, I was was super interested to hear about, um, I can't remember who he was talking about, but instead of microdosing he was saying maybe his psychologist or one of his psychologist buddies was telling him, no, dude, you should macrodose, macrodose. Just get go deep. And mm-hmm. I've been hearing this. I feel like it needs to happen because I've been, it's been coming up in conversation a lot, maybe because I'm thinking about it. You notice how that happens when you start thinking about something, it keeps coming up. If you look at a clock, you keep seeing the same numbers. Maybe it's, you're just thinking about it, which is probably more likely than it being like this serendipitous thing that needs to happen. But I think a lot of
1: times with that, it's like your mind is trying to pay attention to things related to something that you've found to be important. And they just stand out more and more. So it's like, maybe it's over here. Oh, no, it's not. Maybe it's there. Maybe it's that conversation. You know, when people like it's so weird, I was talking about this and I met someone, you know, I overheard the table next to me say the same thing. It's kind of like that cocktail party effect. Like you were you your brain is like looking out for this at the moment a lot.
0: Yeah, so you're no, you're just noticing it more. Mhm.
1: Cuz it's on your mind. But maybe it's important to you, right? I mean, I've always felt like this with microdosing. Uh and I know people that have tried it. I've tried little bits of it here and there and I just I just get the sense that it's like a kind of a bit of a numbing effect. Mm-hmm. like a clever one. It would be like drinking just a little bit of booze all day. You're like, yeah, just kind of floated through today. Whereas macro, especially with mushrooms, I mean,
0: that's a journey.
1: you got to be prepared.
0: Right. Well, know? and and clinically, now that people are realizing the importance of doing it with a doctor or someone that can guide you through it, you're not just doing it for fun. Well, didn't Huberman talk about the new
1: mushroom documentary on Netflix? It's, it's not just mushrooms, but it's like... Um, yeah,
0: it's the one with uh, Michael Pollan that Michael Pollan it. directed. Yes. Mm-hmm. You haven't so seen good. it yet.
1: Oh, dude, it's brilliant. Yeah. It's so good. I mean, they go through all like psilocybin th- therapy, potentially, like masculine, um, MDMA, and how... Um, it's like in the th- uh, tr- like third stage trials, whatever the FDA calls that, mm-hmm. uh, where it's like I think stage three trials is like on humans for f uh, you know for MDMA and to for therapy. They f- were saying it's like sixty seven percent effective or something like that, like real high into the sixties effective for post traumatic stress. It's like after the group that they put in did the MDMA, I mean the therapy, 67% of them couldn't be diagnosed with PTSD afterwards. Like they dropped below that threshold wow. I mean, and stayed there consistently. But
0: and you And they didn't have to continually keep doing it?
1: Uh, they didn't say that, but they said that over time they weren't like re-diagnosed. I mean, I guess there was a time period which would make sense like you don't want to ask someone like the next day they're like yeah i feel great and then a week later they're struggling
0: um but well you'd think the next day you'd feel worse because all of your you're just depleted of all that serotonin and dopamine and everything else so maybe they're i mean the doses are probably pretty low i I don't remember them talking about the dosage oh no they probably hammer that yeah they in the in those
1: um, those therapies, I mean, they're giving you enough. Uh, the, those therapies are probably done with like a macro dose of whatever the thing is that you're taking. Uh, and, t- and talking about medications that you take, and we were discussing it earlier ADHD meds. I mean, tons of kids are taking this stuff now. Lots of kids in college. And yeah, for a lot of them, does it help with studying? Probably yes. Um, for a lot of them, does it just feel really good <laughs> while well, they're taking it? Yeah, I mean, I would imagine so. It gives you a lot of energy.
0: Yeah, or is it a uh, you know, is it an easy way for parents, you know, lazy parents? I could see that too. I know. I mean, I know I've had ADHD my whole life, and my dad made me do sports instead. He's even told me he's like, "Yeah, the doctors told you you should have ADHD meds, but I just made you play sports." Did it help? Absolutely. Um, and that, but I mean, I'm on it now. I'm on ADHD drugs now. I just started taking them a year ago. And we were just talking about this prior to the podcast. After hearing Huberman mention that, you know, these amphetamines kill neurons, obviously, you don't think about it while you're on it, but it's because your neurons are dying. Yeah. The, I mean, it's not coming back. So it makes you wonder. Especially, it makes me wonder, especially with these children that are on it at all times. You know, after six years old, you can take this stuff? That doesn't seem, that's not right. Put them, throw them outside, man. Get up, give them a soccer ball. Do mm-hmm. something else. I mean, I, I, can, I see the benefits of it, but I also see how it could be such a detriment too. I mean, it's like get, get a schedule, get your workout going. If this stuff helps you do that, great. It's amazing. It has helped me stay focused for sure, but I don't plan on staying on this stuff. It it scares me to think that I'd be on it for more than a few years, Hmm. you know, especially when there's other therapies out there. I mean, Huberman mentioned the, the cold therapy, and you do that all the time at the hot springs, getting in those cold baths and... You know, how it what, it doubles your dopamine for a, 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 an extended period, like four hours? That's what he was saying, yeah. That was awesome to hear that. I mean, I always feel better after doing a cold bath, but I didn't realize it was scientifically tested like four hours after the fact mm. that you're still feeling that high from it.
1: I just do it because, like, at least at first, I hated it. So it just made me feel like a pussy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> it just drove me crazy i was like man i mean i went early in the morning and you know when you uh, uh, like it's the morning you're tired like you get a bit of a workout in but it's still like you got to dunk yourself in you know cold water it was rough but, but what's nice about it is almost like anything though you just practice and then it's you don't know, i don't even think about it now but i also don't know what it does you know, it's nice to hear somebody talk about it and be like, oh, and guess what? Also, if you do 11 minutes a week, on average, based on these scientific studies, you get as much of a, you know, brown protein or something he was saying. Something like that.
0: Yeah, I, di- I didn't understand what the brown protein thing is. I think meant. it's like
1: those heat heat shock proteins. So it, it's supposed to help protect your DNA it just okay. like puts you through this cycle. And then he said, I think, 37 minutes of sauna a week, like if you get in there. Okay. And it, it can kind of have varied temperature. But that that gets you the maximum amount of, you know, in general, uh, the benefits.
0: I, I wrote down Susanna Solberg, Dr. Susanna Solberg, because I wanted to actually go back to that. And because she was the one, I think, the scientist that did a lot of those studies. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Let's pull her up. Um, yeah. And the, and they were talking about that yoga nitra as well. Yoga nitra, the NSDR. Um, what was it? Non-sleep deep rest. Uh-huh. How this meditation for a half hour will help recharge your body by 65%. Just this this particular yoga meditation. And so I pulled that up as well. Um I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna try that out. I didn't try it out yet.
1: What was that lady's name again?
0: Doctor Susanna Solberg. Yeah, let me see. Yeah, they mentioned if you sift your body in the cold too, it makes a huge difference. You know you get in that cold plunge and you just wanna you just wanna freeze. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like you I'm literally you're freezing but you just want to you don't want to move at all.
1: Well, yeah, if you don't move around, it's uh it, you do kind of warm up a little bit. I mean, it's way more brutal when you're in there and like someone just comes like either jumping in or moving around a lot, like that's pretty difficult too. But you get used to that one as well. But it must drop the temperature somehow. I don't know. It must kind of lower it. But again, you don't stay in very long. That's what's nice about it. You're just kind of in and out. And I think the hot springs that I go to, is, is it's only like 50 degrees over there. So it's I not think even it's that it's 58.
0: Cold. 58 degrees, which sounds warm. It's not. It can't be that high. Dude, 58 degrees. I'm telling you. I was just in there this morning. And, it's, and they said that? You can see it on the chart on the, when, you walk, when you first walk in on the left-hand side. Hmm. But... Well, now I feel like a wimp again. Well, Rogan was talking about doing
1: it at forty-eight degrees. I think. What am I going to do? Take a bag of ice into
0: the hot springs with me? I can't do that. I really appreciated the cigarette talk about how he, Huberman was just saying, "Man, I I have a few vices, and one was like he lo- he loves the adrenaline, right? Uh-huh, he was in right. he was in the the cold or in the uh, not the cold plunge. Been talking about cold plunges." Um wasn't he fucking skydiving or something? There was a oh, skydiving. No, he was in the shark tank. The shark tank, yeah. <clears throat> and a shark actually, like, he, he had to bust out of the cage because his... Uh, oh, fuck that. His uh, oxygen went out, like, one of the safety tubes or something, and he lost air. And yeah, so- that's that's
1: not super uncommon. Those little valves lock. So when you breathe in, the valve opens just for a second. And then, obviously, when you stop sucking on it, like it blocks up, so the water can't get in, and sometimes it just kind of, like, freezes open. And your air will empty in 40 seconds, you know, the whole hour that you have left. So if your dive partner is not close to you, you can be in big trouble real fast. Dude, That's or you have sharks swimming around you. Hmm. yeah, not good. <laughs> I don't, I just don't get, like, I guess if it's the adrenaline junkie thing, like, good, yeah. but... I can relate to that, but the I mean, secret cigs, though. It's basically what he was talking about.
0: Yeah, and well, and just again, if we're getting on the kid thing about all these kids having nicotine vapes all the time, I guess that's better for you. Oh no, they got into it because the FDA is actually getting rid of Jules. That's what it was, right? And so they t- they started talking about nicotine and and different you know, methods of smoking these days and how really nicotine, yeah, it might be bad for you, but compared to cigarettes, like why would they be getting rid of Jules over ciggies? I don't think
1: nicotine is bad for you. It's bad for your
0: arteries. Yeah, if you got shitty
1: weak arteries, but then probably (laughs) gravity is bad for your arteries at that point. I think if you're healthy and you're not going nuts with... You know, I mean, and I'm talking like nicotine, like patches or like the pouches, or you know, the breathing them in in those vapes could be a problem, but only if the vape system itself is like made of shitty products that you're breathing in,
0: right? Like those little shitty ones from built in China, which are probably most of them, right? They have those little you know, just pieces of metal that who knows how hot they're getting when you're using it. Sure. Like, the, I'm sure they can make them to where, yes,
1: you're breathing in a vaporized version of nicotine, which isn't bad for you, like, really isn't that bad for your lungs and gives you nicotine, which is basically, well, it's natural. It's the actually the most addictive natural chemical, which is pretty unusual, But and also it's unusual because it's non-toxic. And that, well, de- depending on how much you take, but, you know, th- like caffeine is considered non-toxic because, but I'm sure you could take enough caffeine to kill you as well. Right. If you had like powdered
0: caffeine, you could kill yourself. Either way, you'd think jewels would be safer than smoking a pack of cigs a day, no matter how much they're, you know, smoking during the day.
1: No doubt. Yeah, they banned those and cigarettes are still here. Like
0: somebody has money a grudge. talks, someone's got a grudge going on, oh yeah
1: jewel did didn't say the right thing at some mm-hmm. political you know five thousand dollar a plate dinner party, and that's it. They're out. <laughs>
0: How about the sunscreen topic? What did you think about that? Well, that it's bad for you just the the actual what is it tri- trichocanes? trichocanes, the the small amounts of whatever trichocanes are, there's certain sunscreens that'll get into your body so that you can't actually get that vitamin D from the sun. Huh. I always always knew people had talked about how sunscreen could be worse for you than actually not wearing it. I wasn't sure if I was a believer or not. But when you hear someone like Huberman talk about actual peptides and that these particular products that actually soak into your skin, and they, they makes it so you can't get the vitamin D. Well, that's and, not good. Well, and, and getting the vitamin D in the morning, that was better than getting it later in the day. Do you remember? Well, I mean, it would make topic? sense,
1: right? If the only time you went outside was right before the sun went down, that's the only sun you've got. Your body is probably thinking that you're waking up, so that probably mess you up. Yet, if you get it in the morning, you just woke up, you're like outside, sunshine, cup of coffee. Your body is like, okay, the day is about to go. Let's get this started.
0: It's receiving it better. It
1: Maybe. Hmm. Maybe it just like sets that cycle of awake better. It's like how else does your body
0: know that it's the morning again? Well, and having those patterns, right, of sleep and keeping everything turned off. I've been doing that lately. When I go to bed, if, if the lights are, you know, even out in the living room, if I leave the little light on, you know, the hallway light or something, just because whatever, it feels safer. My wife likes to feel safer at night, but it, I can tell it messes with me. It's like, it's harder to fall asleep. So I put a pillow over my head to get that darkness. Mm-hmm. They, they were talking about the darkness of, you know, having these set times of go to sleep at this time. Don't eat until, you know, don't eat past 9 o'clock, but then also, if you want to sleep better, make sure you have the room completely dark. Makes a huge difference. Yeah. It's a lot of things to
1: keep on top of.
0: But, they, dude, this Andrew guy is crushing it, though. I feel like his... his.
1: Do you think his, like, routine, or, like, since he knows all this information, do you think he's super disciplined about this? Felt like it to me when he was talking about it. Like, he does it all. Like, when he knows something, he's learned it, he's like, that's
0: what I do from now on. I mean, just to talk about keeping the room dark when you sleep and then having the 11 minutes of cold plunge and 38 minutes. I mean, he had it all scientific. He had the dates ready and the times, you know?
1: hmm Yeah, he's he's a smart dude. I mean, there's a lot to learn from him, for sure. And I really do like him coming on. I hope he's like a new um, staple on the, uh, the JRE. I'm pretty sure he is.
0: Pretty um, sure I'm he definitely is. going to listen to his podcast again, mm-hmm. for sure. He's. He'll, I'll put him on the list.
1: Put him on the list. All right, let's jump over to Paul Verzi. Is that what you say?
0: Versailles.
1: Versailles, all right. Sorry, Paul.
0: Hmm. They got right into the Indian or Indians, excuse the, me, the, the aliens, UFOs, yeah. UFOs right away. The
1: Indians. Mm. Yeah, his dad seeing a UFO, I mean, it, it, he kind of set the scene well because it was, you know, I've got like a, a tr- traditional Italian dad. He's like one of the guys. He's like, hey, but he can't also have this, like, one wacky thought because, you know, those guys are good at keeping each other in check, like ripping on each other when they are doing, you know, silly things. And now all of a sudden he has this truth that he knows about. He's like, oh, shit, I now believe in a UFO. I don't know what to do with this. I can't tell
0: anyone. It's, that's wild. Well, his wife busted him at a party that that was she w- she would basically said, "Hey honey, why don't you tell him about the the flying saucers? Oh, tell him about the flying saucers." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's how you become known as like the crazy guy. That's the dude. But 73? Is that when he saw it? Was it 73 or 78? I think early on. Yeah. But r- like right in front of him, though. Like he witnessed it pretty freaking close. I don't know what
1: I would think. If, like, just think, just imagine that scenario right now. And it's like, think of our gr- group, you know, here, like the friends we have. And then one of them tomorrow was, like, adamant about what they saw. Now, I'd be curious and, like, asking a lot of questions. And I'm, I want to believe. And I'd be into the idea of it. But I still would be trying to pick it to pieces. And then eventually, over the weeks after that story was told, they're not going to be telling it every day. You just would either start to forget about it or just be like, yeah, I don't really know why he would have saw. Like, it just seems like something that you generally wouldn't believe until you saw it yourself. And then it's like you're stuck in that, you know, it's like being on an island all to yourself. It's like no
0: one else is going to believe that shit. I'd believe it. But I've seen some UFOs, man. It well, depend- one particular Hold on. It
1: depends, who would, it depends who would say it to you, though. True. Let's be fair. Like, you know people that you're just like, you can easily dismiss most of the things that they say. God bless them. And if it came from one of them, you'd be like, all right, dude. Great.
0: True. But Paul's dad does not seem like that guy after he paints a picture of his, his old Italian father, right? Mm. He's scared to tell people the story because he knows they're going to think he's crazy. That
1: almost adds more legitimacy totally. to it, For sure. And that's what's nice about it, you know? It, but this guy also seemed very honest. You know, Paul, like, talked a lot about his panic attacks. And, you know, he didn't even try and tie them to something. He wasn't even like, oh, yeah, my life was such a mess. Like, some people would like to justify how they feel mm-hmm. with the events in their life instead of just being like, I don't know why. I just felt like this. And I don't
0: know. Well, he, he talks about his parents separating at a pretty young age but yeah he didn't mention that within the context of the panic attacks did he uh,
1: I don't know cuz he was like much older right I think it was like way into comedy and right it was
0: a, it was a, it was from something that happened when he was doing a stand up wasn't it mhm yeah
1: yeah it was like outside of his own body just like watching the comedy happen and like freaking out
0: i just love to see the the stigma of of that sort of stuff being erased and, and people talking about it. You know, a comic from New York who you wouldn't think typically, stereotypically, you wouldn't think would talk about something like that. Mm-hmm. And he's just nonchalantly telling the whole world on Joe Rogan about it, which is great. You do notice that with guests that, you know, um,
1: what was the guy's name, DeFresco the comedian he was like talking about just like high school and growing up and how he felt around women and how he feels about himself and there's like an interesting honesty that comes from a lot of these comedians which i think is part and parcel what makes them good because they realize if they tap into that and then tell their jokes from that space Mm -hmm. it really works or maybe those they're the comedians that end up doing well as the people that can get there but, yeah, there's, like, a beautiful honesty that comes from those things.
0: Well, the best jokes are those personal jokes, right? Anytime you can relate to somebody's personal history, it makes it way more funny because you can you can think about a particular event that happened in your life. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah, I can relate to that, dude. That's hilarious. That happened to me in high school.
1: Some of it, though, too, is, like, um, you know, a lot of the stories that they tell even though they sound very personal don't always happen to them like a lot of it's a lie really but like it's not a bad lie it's just a lie to make the story work for comedy Mm -hmm. i i think what helps them almost more so be honest is about themselves and how they feel and that's why comedic podcasts are so popular they're not always that funny have you noticed that totally they're just good really interesting and it's because they're great storytellers and they can get to the meat of things. Right. But, you know, so much of comedy is um, almost being willing to be laughed at, so it just teaches you to be comfortable being that vulnerable, in a sense.
0: But a lot of them, a lot of these comics aren't comfortable. He mentioned that a few times, about how even just, what was it, Chris Rock's mom and her friend was in the audience... And just having, he was having a bad night on stage or whatever. People might have been not catching his jokes. Just hearing laughter from her, you know, and him being honest about, hey, th- those little bits of laughter got me through the night. <laughs> right. But yeah. that's that's good to hear, though, for them to be honest. I mean, I, th- I it made me think about when I leave a restaurant and I say, and I go and thank the cooks if I've had a good, and maybe because I've worked in a restaurant before, so I get it those little bits if that one person comes up to the kitchen and says hey man that that meal was awesome thank you so much that'll make your night oh yeah that's huge just and you you forget about that those little bits of gratitude that will really really save somebody from a night of having a really shitty night or just like hey at least that one person was into it so i feel a lot better right it, may, it made one person's night so I, at least I don't have to feel like shit the rest of the evening. They've got to at least get your food right first, though, right? they got to earn <laughs> it.
1: Imagine if they're having a shit night and everything they make is terrible. It's like, I'm not going to get, look, I'm sure they're having a tough day, but I'm not going to tell them it's good. I'm not going to pretend. Dude, it's hard Messed to cook. Up my burger.
0: It's hard to cook in a bad mood. Have you noticed that? I, I've I been there. Yeah, I haven't cooked in a restaurant, so. I mean, even just cooking on the grill, man. I'll, I'll mess up some burgers if I'm thinking about other shit and I'm not. That's true. I guess you
1: don't have the passion for it during that time, you know? I guess you just don't. Talking about the passion, I mean, Paul, like, 20 years grueling it out in comedy before he really made a name for himself. I think it was about that. And, you know, that's a hustle, guys. I mean, wow. How many times do you think his wife could have said to him, listen, honey, we've got kids, like maybe move on and do something else and it it sounded like she was very supportive of him and um you know just also that frustration that he was having like he'd been killing for a long time but wasn't getting really any notoriety for it i mean that's very difficult especially when you like i don't really know how you wouldn't build a lot of resentment from that too because You know, he would have known a lot of comedians in that space. And, you know, a few of them here and there would have been picking up a lot of traction. Well, he's not. it's That's an incredibly painful, you know, journey. It's hard enough as a comedian, but, like, for it to go that long. Now, thank God, he's like, yeah, he's on Rogan. People are watching
0: his special. Like, he's really, he's there. His his energy got him through it for sure. Mm -hmm. Just that positive energy. I mean, is that when they brought up the Jefferson quote comparison is the thief of joy? Yeah. You know, if he if he sat and compared himself to everybody the whole time, maybe he wouldn't have gotten through that. I I doubt you could. You couldn't do it. I mean, to go that long, you, yeah, there's no way you would have been, You would have quit after year five of trying to do it. That is a really good quote. So, but, good. but
1: like, there's a lot more to it than just the quote. You know, like you could say it to yourself a lot. Maybe it helps but you have to really examine why you feel bad about other people doing well
0: i think it's an inner i think it's mostly that you're not trying hard enough in yourself and maybe you're projecting that onto others at least for me cuz i've i've done it plenty of times i, f- I feel like we all do it mm. but but people what, have
1: like real resentment against people that start true. to do successful things and that seems Really, uh, like unusual to me, especially if you know the person
0: well, because you can, if you want that as well, they could help you figure it out. Totally. Well, I think there's a maturity to it. You get to a place where, at least I would hope, you start seeing your buddies do good, and it makes you feel good. Some people are just bitter, man. They're bitter because they're not doing good themselves. I think that's what happens. Is you you start. Maybe comparing or getting envious when you're not doing good, but so does that seeing others hurts, which it, it shouldn't. It's horrible that that happens. But does that does
1: that mean that that person wasn't really your friend any ever? I don't do I don't I don't do that with people I don't like very much. If if somebody I don't like very much um, starts to do really well, I I I think it kind of makes me like them more. Because a lot of times when I don't like someone, I think they're a lazy piece of shit,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: it annoys me. Right. And I'm just like, I don't trust you. You're not reliable. You don't show up. You don't do the things that you say that you do. And it's like becomes this like frustrating argument. And then in the end, I just don't like them.
0: But that's because you're a motivated person. So you being motivated, you see other people doing good shit and making things happen. That excites you because you're like, oh, you're not being a lazy piece of shit anymore. What I'm saying is when you're a lazy piece of shit and you're kind of down on yourself already and you see people doing good, you're projecting your own shit onto them. So it's not even you're not even really mad at them even though you think you are. You're mad at yourself for being a lazy piece of shit. Oh, it like reminds you. Right. Yeah. So if you're if you're crushing it or you're doing good, you feel good about yourself and you see other people doing that, especially your friends. Rogan talks about this all the time. He wants to help these people. Right. Like Rogan's crushing it. Yeah. He wants to see these people Crush it. He's already feeling good about himself. He wants to help others, so I think it's really it's dude. It comes down to just a mental issue. Yeah, I still get mad at myself when I
1: know that I'm being a lazy piece of shit. True. But it but it doesn't make me think about anyone else, really.
0: Well, because you de- get selfish when you're depressed. I do. Anyway, I'm speaking for myself.
1: Oh no, I see what you mean. Yeah, right. I'm just trying to think through my process of like, what do I feel like on those days? Oh like often uh I'll get mad at myself for not doing what I need to. I do feel guilty for like letting people down. Like I can tell I'm not like bringing the energy to them if I have to do something with them that day. Like right. that one makes me feel bad. But I get is that a comparison or is it more just a uh like a, a sense of responsibility maybe?
0: That's your energy that's because your energy levels are typically so high and you're fun to be around so when you're not feeling yourself you're not feeling like you're bringing that energy that you typically do it makes you feel bad it makes you feel guilty i do that all the time too that's probably the the worst of it really Mm. and as a comic i could see how it could be so hard if you like you've been busting ass for 20 he said 20 years Oh, dude, that's so long in comedy. But he was, but it seemed like his his process was he was always helping others. He, I felt like he, he's a family guy. Too. He was a good dude. He's a family guy. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of that is he's he. There was another quote about family here. He said the greatest thing a man can do for his children is love their mother. Dude. That's excellent. Whew. How good is that? Oh, that one got me, dude. That wow. one got me hard. Women are gonna
1: get away with so much. Thanks to that quote. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh. the kind of thing your wife would put up in the bathroom. Just to, you're like, damn I
0: love, it. I love what uh, Joe's talking about. Bill Burr, and they're just talking about God. Some people, you know, they'll just bring you down. If we're if we're gonna go on this rant about feeling down or whatever, Bill Burr can just he can he can feel down, but he can make you laugh about it. Oh yeah. You know, it's like his
1: complaining is good for so everyone. Good. So good. He really has found the cheat code to complaining because nobody wants to listen to a complainer ever. No one. And he does it in such a way you can't wait to hear it. And I think it's also his way of cheering himself up about how annoyed he is about whatever the thing is he's talking about, because it's just fun for everyone. It's so good. It's a genius move. He might be the best at that.
0: Oh, and I
1: can't. I can't think of a better complainer than Bill Burr.
0: Well, they that. I mean, uh, yeah, they said that. And also, how Rogan doesn't have time or the ability to be bored. I thought about that because I feel like I've been getting bored here and there. You know, when you work too much, you feel bored. You want to do more things outside or whatever. And Rogan's just saying, "I don't, dude. I don't have the time to be bored."
1: He said he doesn't even understand it, which I don't. I would like it, him to like expand on that because I was like do you really not know? I mean I definitely know. And I know it's always because I'm not I'm not doing something right. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's something because there's always something interesting. So it's it's usually a feeling, but I've definitely been bored a lot in my life. So to think that someone could get to what what is he 54? and doesn't actually know, like he hasn't experienced it, it's like, whoa. Yeah, I was jealous of that. Yeah, I would love to hear more of that. That annoyed, (laughs) it almost annoyed me. Maybe that was a comparison. I'm like, God damn it, Joe. Is that seriously a thing that I could have been doing all this time? But no.
0: Yeah, he doesn't have time to build a deck. (laughs) Won't play golf because it takes too much time. Good. Keep it up,
1: Joe. I'm not getting (laughs) pulled into that either. I don't have time.
0: Uh, we on Segura?
1: No, I wanted to finish up with something uh, that he was talking about. Let me just look at my notes. Yeah, I wanted to talk a, a little bit more just about it, his panic attacks and like how vulnerable and honest he was about it. And it's an important thing to talk about because... um. Yeah, you don't need justification for that. Like, if you feel that way, I hope people feel like they can talk about it with anyone else. I remember when it happened to me. I had one when I was in um, Santa Monica right before I left for Bozeman. It's the only one I've ever had. And I almost couldn't stop talking to people about it because I was like... Amazed, terrified, and fascinated by the
0: fact that it could even happen, or like, the fact that it happens to so many people on it on the regular right that's what's so scary. It gave me a lot of empathy
1: for people that have that happen. I didn't know it was a thing. I was always like, You know, pull yourself together, kid, mm-hmm. but wow, I
0: mean very real, very scary, I mean just. This feeling of not being able to breathe. Mm. I remember that I, I've had I've had one for sure, and I can remember the day, and I don't ever want it to happen again. And it was a financial thing. It was like freaking out about money, right? Which seems silly now. I can look back at it and kind of laugh at it. But, but I guess you time, didn't know. You didn't know at the time, right? At the time, it just felt like how are we ever going to make this happen? How is this, you know, financially, how is this going to work? This is a silly idea. And it just, you just, this negativity gets in your head. And that's what, that's what happened with me anyways, where it was just this, and it compounds on itself. And it's this spiral of how could I actually think about this many negative things at once? And then I couldn't breathe. Did it, did it start to like
1: speed up like a snowball? Did it just get faster and faster? And
0: And then, you know my wife was there to to help me through it and she's had panic attacks before I've seen them and you know she suffers from she can have really bad anxiety attacks and and they turn into panic attacks and it's i again i n- had never understood it before and then when you go when you go through it like you said this empathy happens but yeah it was a, it was this negative spiral of just you think of one thing negative and then you think of the worst thing that could happen. Like, oh my God, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna go bankrupt. We're gonna this is never gonna work. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm the silliest person for thinking this way. And you know, then it's like, oh my God, nobody trusts me or I'm silly with money. It was all these financial problems that I just kept And like they all linked together, right? Piecing together in my head and it's all nonsense. That's the thing. It was really It was nonsense, but we had never spent this type of money. It was when we bought our house and it just, it freaked me out. It was like, I went from basically living in, you know, a $600 a month apartment to like, oh my God, we're going to spend how much on a home? And my mortgage is going to be how much? And I felt like it was something that I never, I never realized that, money could do that to my mind Mm. like i had never i just had never experienced that i was just so scared about being in this financial turmoil dude that's what did it for me i don't i don't know
1: well i guess it doesn't matter what the thing is almost right it's like any different person can have a negative thinking spiral down over any issue as long as the issue itself means enough to them But it's just the idea that that people can't talk about it. They don't have somebody to talk to. And, you know, imagine being in fear of that event happening, you know, multiple times and not knowing when it's happening and not having support around you. It Uh, sounded like his wife was very supportive through that, which is awesome.
0: Yeah, it's scary to think that that happens to people all the time. Because you and I have both had this happen. I've had it happen once. You've had it happen once. And I—that's enough for me, dude. Forty-one years. Thank you. But you—you talk about empathy, and it really does create this empathy, this empathetic notion towards others. Like I feel their pain now, and yeah, it's—it's rough, man, to see just the amount of people that are going through that. I'm glad that Paul is, like, pulled out of it. He said running helped. I think any exercise is so huge for that. Yeah,
1: but he eventually built up the running. His therapist said, go walk the dog. Got the running on, and then, you know, that's definitely a good move. If you're feeling stressed and anxious, just generally, then I would say figure out what exercise you're already doing, maybe add 10%. You know, obviously, you can't do that forever. If you're still stressed and you're, like, running all day long, that's not going to help, right? But, um, uh, yeah, add a little bit to it. That's dude, probably useful.
0: I did that last week, ran to the office four miles, and I could hardly walk for the last five days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you looked my exhausted shins, when you my got shins here. were just hurting, yeah, dude. So start small. Start small.
1: All right, towards the Extreme. <laughs> He's an extreme sports guy, all right. let's jump over to Tom Segura, and we're gonna finish this one out. Tommy Boy. What a legend, and what a success He wrote a book he is his comedy is you know just crushing it. his tour is supposed to be beyond epically massive to you know what did he say he did like
0: something like like 230 shows or something in a year
1: that's crazy
0: yeah i don't don't understand it but he's crushing and he's funny Mm. love that guy i i I had no idea he wrote a book that's great i'll have to pick it up
1: yeah tom's funny i bet the book is funny too i mean him and his wife are really talented on that um your mama's podcast it's great and it's wild too I think it's way out of control. I like how different it is, too, from Rogan's. It's way more like old-school radio. You know, they bring, like, um, different celebrities in. They chat with them. Um, It's it's super casual. Uh, They had, like, Tommy Lee in with his girlfriend, and they're just going into it almost like... It feels a little bit like... uh, a kind of like an Opie and Anthony almost, you know.
0: How was Tommy Lee's girlfriend? She's the she was like a TikTok star, right? Or no, she was a uh, she was a what was it before TikTok? There was like the you could do the five or the seven seconds, right? It was a thing before TikTok, anyway. She was one of those stars. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the name of it. Um, there was another thing before TikTok. Before TikTok, yeah, there They're was. don't even
1: really use TikTok to be honest.
0: I, I, I don't either. And well, and Segura talks about TikTok, and and they brought it up towards the end of the podcast. But we can get to that about just the the privacy laws that mm-hmm. are happening right now. Um, anyway, Segura, he he's good. At his honesty. We were talking about that with. Uh, with Paul with Paul and just he just has good stories about his mom and his dad and and just growing up and just being so honest about his own life and whether those stories are real or not they sure seem real especially with his mom you know being from South America he he just gets I'm, into I'm it I'm sure with they that.
1: are like with his stand up maybe no maybe they're like exaggerated for comedy but i mean if he's talking about it on the podcast yeah it's real like these are things that happened for sure. Uh, no doubt. And, and yeah, Tom is, he definitely seems super honest. I mean, they're getting back into Sober October, trying to bring Burt back in. I think they're just desperately trying to keep Burt alive at this point. Joe seems worried about him. The machine? Yeah, it's like it, it less of a joke for Joe every year and obviously he's crushing it he's doing so well he's touring all the time he's making tons of money um, but you know the heart is a thing you got to take care of
0: well they they talk about the the persona of you know you get into this persona or persona of who you are on stage and it it bleeds into your life oh yeah he's drinking like who
1: doesn't want to do a shot with with uh with Bert
0: but yeah i mean his he has to tell the machine story every time. Mm-hmm. He, You know, everybody knows it. He has to tell it. But when that bleeds into your life, man, it's scary. I mean, it happened with Pryor. It happened with Sam. What well, was Sam's... uh can't think of his last name. Uh, anyway. Kennison. Kennison. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You can't... You couldn't go out and see Sam without him being Sam on stage. Right. Right? So when you see Bert, is uh, sounds like he's the same way he is on stage when you see him out in public, right? No I mean, he just he's just his thing now. But
1: saying that, I mean, people used to say that about Ron White because he was always have have it as whiskey. I mean, sorry, at a tequila company, just having tequila, mm-hmm. smoking a cigar. Mm-hmm. He quit. Did the ayahuasca quit? And now that's not him. So I I don't think that you're as enslaved to your persona as people think. Like, they would still love Bert if he took his shirt off, if he did this, but every few months he said, hey, guys, I'm not drinking for these few months because I'm worried about my health and I want to be here to do- make more comedy for you guys. People would love that. People would love that, too. I don't think people would be disappointed.
0: No, it's just bringing honesty again. hmm Yeah. He'd be great at that.
1: And I think it would almost be funnier if, like, I I don't know how ripped you can get at his age, but if he just, like, went full board health, and then he's, like, ripping his shirt off and has abs, I think it could be almost better.
0: Well, I mean, Segura's gone through quite a bit of weight change. I mean, he's looking pretty damn healthy right now.
1: Yeah, he's a lot slimmer than he used to be, for sure. For sure. I mean, he was getting big in his 30s. And he's How holding it together he? now. Some forties something. Yeah, probably mid forties. Late, yeah. maybe late forties.
0: The kids are keeping him in check, I'm sure.
1: Mm-hmm. They keep me busy. Oh, let's get to the TikTok thing then. Yeah. So the US government just um put it I, I don't know if it's a law or they just put a proposal out to Apple and Google to ban TikTok.
0: Because of the privacy privacy issues, right?
1: Yeah, there's, like, too much spyware going on in there. It's, like,
0: recording all of it. Glad I'm not on TikTok.
1: But uh, also, I think it's a lot of what Joe talks about, too, and they they don't position it this way because it's the government. You know, they don't really tell us what they're up to, I don't think, directly. You know, they have talking points that sound good. So it's a good selling point to tell us, oh, yeah, there's a lot of spyware in there, which there probably is. So it's reasonable and it's true. But I also think that maybe there's a concern, just like Joe saying, that, hey, they they have a different TikTok in China. Mm -hmm. And it, like, helps kids, teaches them, and it shuts off at a certain time. Yet they have this, and let's be honest, a very popular product in this country that is mostly nonsense. Silly, fun things, but, like, they're, they're not changing the way that we get it all, and that kind of takes advantage of our freedoms. Because it's like, yeah, the, we don't put restrictions on stuff, but you've made something as addictive as, who knows, crack, but it's like social media crack.
0: I would, I would say mostly, right? It's mostly for dances and silly little skits in the States. But I have seen quite a people, quite a bit of people leaving other platforms to go to TikTok because it hasn't been as censored. You know, talking about the truckers in Canada, for instance, I've seen people get on there and just on TikTok and talk about that. And it's actually a really good avenue for those types of political issues. Now, will that get censored now? I don't know. Oh, I'm that's sure it point. will.
1: I have so little uh, experience with TikTok. I don't know... I haven't even really considered what benefits it could have because I haven't really played with it at all. But I do think that this censoring thing on social media is is taking us down a slippery slope. I mean, I occasionally share some stories and I don't really look at where the account came from but it'd be like a funny meme or just something that happened and I go to share it and it's unavailable right away or always is from like whatever particular account this is. And I'm like, who gets to decide that? That meme was pretty innocuous. It wasn't offensive. It's just like, but it's almost like everything banned from from certain people is banned, even if they have a big following. Like you can't share it at all. They've made it like almost impossible for that person to get any more followers
0: yeah i've seen it happen to friends who are you know non-covid believers i've seen it happen to other people you know during it, i feel like it escalated after trump you know it was one of those things and it's really definitely escalated since covid yeah for, for sure. sure for sure even if if there's like a questionable thing that you bring up and they talk about the fauci story that um kennedy wrote which oh, I, yeah. I, I, w- I need to read that it sounds great yeah I didn't realize he. His voice got screwed up from va- a vaccine. Right. That's I didn't know that. I mean, that's probably why he seems to go in the direction of non-vax, right? Um, regardless, what what I was getting at is there's there's this there's this agenda that's happening with these bigger companies, and whether it's TikTok or Facebook or, you know, maybe YouTube's a little bit more lax, but. It's scary to think that unbiased news only happens on podcasts pretty much at this point. Right. That's freaky, man.
1: Yeah, and there's only a few people that do podcasts that have really solid news. I mean, please God don't ever think that what you're hearing on this podcast, folks, is news. Because it's not.
0: Well, the other scary thing is that podcasts aren't news. But you're getting a lot of uh, – your people are getting their news from podcasts, which is also scary because it's not news. Well, it's they're just, just
1: running out of places that they trust. At least they trust what they hear on a podcast, even if it's, you know, they trust the person. They know that that person is doing their best to figure something out. It's like, meh, not a
0: bad start. Right, but this is entertainment, and I've thought about this quite a bit about it. Well, how, but that's
1: – not. hold on, but like – Ben Shapiro has a good show where he does a lot of research. Whether you like his political bendings or not, I mean, he's very Republican, but does a lot of work. Um,
0: Still not a journalist, though.
1: No, he's not a journalist. True, right? And then, so where
0: you know, where these we're not seeing sources, we're not seeing facts. Well, what about
1: Saga? Saga from Talking Points, they have their own podcast now, and it's they're both journalists.
0: Right. And and again, it depends on what you're listening to. It's scary to think that because the news media is so untrustworthy at this point that people they don't have many avenues to get their their news. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Because things are getting censored and you know, if you if you have to get your news from podcast, that is also a little bit scary. I mean, it's great that we can talk about whatever we want, but it's scary that there's no trustworthy news sources to go to that are unbiased. They're just, I mean, what are they? Where where are they? Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, podcasts are the new information source, you know? It definitely has separated itself from, like, what social media is, and people get information from that. It's, it's just a different thing it's so much longer it's so much aurora you know yeah. it's like you really get enough time to figure out like people are listening to us now and they've they can decide fairly soon like how much they think we know about something and not so okay we can trust them this much on this but most of everything else <laughs> nonsense which is important to do guys all right and but we all do it with with podcasts i was listening to sam harris the other day he had these two super geniuses on talking about like how basically the way we've oriented the world in the United States, we're headed for a collapse. And it's shocking. It's a shocking hour. But why it's so riveting is Sam, we all know his credentials, amazing. Then he brings up these two other people and they couldn't – their list of accolades go on forever. And the way that they speak is so – perfectly articulated and even the way they interact with each other these two opposing um people that Sam had on they are super considerate and polite to each other's points and then go back and forth it's like that that's a lot like when i'm listening to it i basically outsource my own brain to just believing everything they're saying is true to some degree. So maybe
0: that's maybe we're at the future news then. That's what it is because you're not going to get that on any news source now, not when you know the only well first of all they they said two only two countries that allow pharmaceutical advertising. Oh,
1: New Zealand, US, yeah.
0: Yeah, 75% of the advertising on mainstream media right now is from phar- pharmaceutical companies in the US.
1: That's so fucked.
0: I Guys. mean, you've seen it when they talk about all of the, the, the problems. Yeah. This, this drug will give anal you... Anal leakage. Yeah, anal leakage, dude. Stay away.
1: It's always anal leakage with these drugs. Can they not just that... take that bit of the drug out?
0: <laughs> it's, you, when you think about 75% of our advertising on mainstream media, on everything that is on the television... People just need to stop watching that stuff, man. It's,
1: yeah, real bad. Talking about things people should stop watching is they talk about porn at the end oh. and how easy it is to get a hold of. Now, Now, Todd and I grew up in the 80s, early 80s. <laughs> so so we both definitely are guilty of stealing borrowing, Grandpa's stealing, magazines. or getting a hold of uh, a really dodgy VHS
0: tape. I for could sure. relate. I could relate to the scrambling uh, of the television. I think it was Red Shoe Diaries for me. He talked about the Spice Channel. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, just waiting to see it. Waiting to see a, a nip. nip. Yeah. It's
1: all about the nip. <laughs> Scramble. It's nips. scary to think. It's and now you can just get a smartphone and see anything. I don't know what the effects of that are, but it's a way different world. What do you think? You got how old Enzo now? Your son.
0: He'll be two in a couple months.
1: Two. When does he get a smartphone?
0: I'm hoping he can stay away from it. I, I'm, I'm worried about his little Dude, tablet no that chance. he has that only, you know, we only allow about an hour a day, and that's even, I feel like that's too much, man. But sometimes mom and dad need to sleep a little. But yeah, it's something I don't want to think about right now, honestly, because it, it they get so hooked on those things, man. I mean, he, he woke up the other night talking about wanting to play his tractor game on the tablet because he's finally figured out how to actually move the thing around and interact with this little tablet it freaked me out I had a conversation with my wife this morning about how we need to do less time on his little tablet and that's just kid games I mean we've looked at the games that we've downloaded and they seem legit they're not you know they're not scary there's no fighting or whatever but it's just like riding on a tractor but it's freaky how addicted they get to those things. I mean, we all do.
1: Yeah, the, it's it's like we're getting better and better at making all the types of things that we're into super addictive to where regular life, which is like hanging out with people, talking to them, maybe going out into nature or just exploring like a a, a new area in town, it's like it, it makes sense to me that there are kids stuck in a basement somewhere playing an online game 24 hours a day because I'm not surprised that we figured out the best way to capture someone's attention or a lot of people's attention. It's, it's it, Even during this podcast, we've talked about you know social media, the struggles of it, news, whatever. It's like we have to trick ourselves to pull away from these things. It's like we've made addictive things in every direction we look. So many addictive things, and it takes us away from stuff that would at least make us feel better.
0: Takes you away from feeling in general. Mm. Just feeling. Stimuli, dude. Too much. Brings you away from all the
1: feels. Too much, man. Well, on that note, stay away from social media, folks. If you can. And video games. What else are you staying away from? Stay away from it all. Get to the cold plunge, sauna, and... Uh, Workout routine. That's it. It seems like that. It's over and over again. We're going to remind you every week. <laughs> we uh, all right. remind, remind ourselves. That's right. Love it. All right, guys. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. We appreciate it. We will talk to you next week.